Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Visitors Bullpen. I'm Matt Wyrick, alongside my co-host Kevin Haswell. Kevin, how are you doing today? Doing great. Excited for another week uh, talking here on Visitors Bullpen. We have a special guest this week, Sammy Crisitello, sports editor at the Breeze. Uh, excited. He's a Yankees fan, so should be fun. Yeah, it's been a tough week to be a Yankees fan, but I'm uh, I'm happy to be on board. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we will get right into it. Staying in the AL East, right up your alley, Sammy. We'll go with you first. The Tampa Bay Rays have had a weird season. They're still hanging in there, two games over 500, uh, entering play on Tuesday, only three games out of the AL East race, even especially with the Yankees faltering and the Red Sox kind of having their up and down season of their own. They just acquired Adani Echeverria from the Marlins as a kind of a sign that they're going for it. Sammy, do you think that's the right idea? Do you think that they're on the right track and that they can compete in the AL wildcard race and even the AL East race this season? Well, look, I mean, I think the Rays are obviously exceeding expectations, uh, and I don't have a problem with them making a move uh, such as the one for Echeverria. I think that's a very nice pickup. But given the competitive nature of the American League East right now, uh, I don't think it's too much of a surprise to say I don't see the Rays kind of sticking it out for the whole season. I mean, obviously they've turned a lot of heads. They're second in the MLB in home runs, which is pretty impressive. Their pitching has been solid. Chris Archer, uh, you know, perennial Cy Young Award, uh, you know, contender. Uh, but I think that the Blue, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I think the Blue Jays are just nowhere near where they're going to be. I think they will turn it around. I think the Yankees are surprising everyone in baseball, legitimate World Series contender. The Red Sox are in the same boat. And I just think if the Rays, the Rays just aren't going to be able to compete with those three teams all season long, I think that they absolutely have the potential to win 81 games, but I don't see a playoff berth for their future. For me, I think that they definitely have a chance at that wild card spot. I mean, the American League, it's, it's pretty wide open right now. And sure, they, they might be able to maintain their 500 record and scrape across one of those wild card spots. But if they can really kid themselves into thinking they're World Series contenders, I mean, come on. They're entering play on Tuesday, as we said, that's where all numbers are going to be in the podcast. 12th best record in baseball. They have that tough division. You've got teams like the Astros and the Yankees and everyone in the AL Central above them. I mean, this isn't a picture where you see them going all the way. So while they may be able to squeak out a playoff berth, I really don't think that they're going to be able to do anything with it. And with the number of guys that they have that are going to be free agents at the end of the year, it probably would be more beneficial to sell and maybe do a slight rebuild as something they've tried to avoid the past few years and kind of look forward to the next year or two ahead because you've got Longoria locked up for a while. You've got a couple other guys locked up for a while. Might as well take advantage of some of the hot starts that guys like Logan Morrison and Tommy Hunter and Trevor Plouffe have had and, and make some deals. Yeah, I think, they're the, I think they're the worst team in the American League East. I think it's crazy that people are even talking about them being a playoff contender. I mean, I think it's possible to see all five teams in that division have a winning record this year. I mean, the American League as a whole, I don't think it's as strong as it has been in previous years. Um, and I think that the Orioles aren't anything spectacular, but they could squeak out 83 wins. Same with the Rays, maybe 81, 82, 83. But I, I think it's a little crazy to think that either of those two teams are legitimate playoff, let alone World Series contenders. I don't see. I don't see the why the Rays aren't aren't are trying to go for it this year. I mean, they have a ton of young pitching that can can bring in good prospects with Chris Archer if they are willing to deal him. Deal him. 
Oda Rizzi, another good option to trade. And Hechevarria, I mean, he's great on the defensive end, but he doesn't really he doesn't really hit. So I, I really don't get this move. I mean, they needed a second baseman, but Tim Beckham has been terrific for them this year, uh, outplaying expectations with, you know, a 280 batting average, 31 RBIs, pretty good for a shortstop. Uh, I I don't understand the move for Hechevarria, and I, I think at the end of the year, they're going to be sitting between the 78 and 82 win range, uh, probably last in, the, in that division. Uh, you, you have to think the Orioles are going to come back and and hit better than they're hitting right now. I mean, Manny Machado is hitting like 220. Uh, that's just not him. And they're, the Rays are definitely out hitting expectations as well this year. You know, uh, they're, they're up there in the top three in the OPS runs and home runs, and they don't really have a powerful, that powerful of a lineup. Logan Morrison out playing expectations. Same with Corey Dickerson. So uh, it's definitely a situation to watch, but uh, the Rays are, are far away from contention and they should sell at the deadline. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you look at teams that are underperforming so much, like the Yankees right now, the Red Sox prior to right now, and the Blue Jays all season, Orioles since April. They've All these teams have had their ups and downs, but there's a reason you play 162 games is so that teams like the Red Sox will finally play to their potential by the end of the season. And teams like the Rays will fall back to the mean and, and realize the kind of team that they are. I mean, yeah, they're having career years from a few guys. Corey Dickerson, he's, he's an all-star, to say the least. Best DH in the American League, in my opinion, and it's been absolutely fantastic to see him develop into the kind of player he's become. But at the same time, there are all these career years, it's not exactly something you can rely on to, to carry you through. It's, it's Some of them are just going to be hot starts. You'll always see guys who make the all-star team and then really cool off in the second half and you're kind of scratching your head at the end of the year. Are they really all-stars? Yeah, Zach Cozart's going to be an all-star this year, but that doesn't mean he's going to be the guy by the end of the year. The same goes for a couple players that are playing on the Rays right now. So with the trade deadline only a month away, now is the time to capitalize on the trade value of a lot of their players. I know Tommy Hunter has been killing it towards the back end of the bullpen. He's someone who the Nationals or Diamondbacks would absolutely be clamoring for. You've got Logan Morrison, who becomes a free agent after the year. Alex Cobb, who no one's talking about, could definitely be up there in a weak starting pitcher market. Uh, there's a lot of guys, a lot of teams looking for starting pitchers, and for them not to even be exploring that thought is is just a ridiculous notion, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised last year when all they did at the deadline was trade Matt Moore because they they had they still have the young arms to to get great packages at the deadline with teams that are desperate for starting pitching, and you know with the with the low payroll that they have, why not go out and get prospects and build up your organization once again because that's you know that's kind of their, what they do, especially you saw a couple of years ago with how they tra- traded. I mean, it was like five years ago, but Will Myers. Got a great package for him, and that's paid off. Guys like Oda Rizzi were in that trade, and they just keep refiltering these great players. And if they try to contend this year, I feel like they're not going to be able to get to, to keep refiltering their players. Yeah, and you look ahead, and some of these other American League teams aren't really going to be around next season. The Royals have been playing well, a ton of guys that hit free agency. I mean, within two years, you've got half the AL East. I mean, Orioles players and uh, the other team, the Red Sox players, they, uh, they'll be hitting free agency in a little bit too. So for them to kind of look at right now as a time to contend is a little bit of a puzzling move. 
um, when you've got a team that hasn't really performed that well at all in the past few years, it's kind of just puzzling to just see them in the position now where they haven't gone into a full rebuild. I know some with the National League, you look at half the teams are in it right now, but uh, in AL, there's no one really rebuilding other than kind of like the A's. So for them to kind of see this year as the year is a little bit strange to me, but uh, only time will tell what they actually do at the deadline. But we're going to move on, stay in the AL East, though, keeping that the theme for right now. As Sammy mentioned, the Toronto Blue Jays have been making their way up to 500 every so often and then hit a slide and lose a few games. They haven't been able to get over that hump this season, but Kevin, we'll start with you. Do you think that they're going to be able to turn things around and put it together? Yeah, I think I think they're primed for that second wild card spot in the American League. Uh, if you look at their roster, they just have way too much talent to not contend. Uh, they have players underperforming right now with, with Tulo, only has three home runs this year. Josh Donaldson just getting back from injury a couple weeks ago, starting to get into form. And then you look at their rotation. I mean, they haven't had Aaron Sanchez all year. They had him for a couple starts, but he had the blister issue. Um, and Marco Strom- Marcus Stroman has pitched really well. Estrada is not getting the contact they or the soft contact that he usually gets with a 4.89 ERA. But uh, you figure that a lot of these guys on this roster will turn it around, and it's they're only five and a half games back, and all these guys are underperforming. So it's kind of scary what it will look like once they actually start playing to their potential. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think the Blue Jays are going to be a good team. Uh, obviously, they're I think their starting pitching is going to come along. Uh, I mean. Uh, it's been a big blow for them that um, that they've had um, Aaron Sanchez, who's arguably their best up-and-coming pitcher. Uh, he's been on the DL for a lot of the season. I think when they get him back, he could be a real impact. Everyone's still kind of waiting for Marcus Stroman to put on his ace cap and you know be the Cy Young candidate that everyone has always wanted him to be. But I think you're going to see big things from him. Marco Estrada, Hap's been solid. All those guys are kind of going to turn it around in the second half. And kind of as Kevin hinted at, their offense is just really underperforming and is not as ba- nearly as bad as it has been. One person I'd really like to point out is Justin Smoke. Uh, if you guys remember back in, I believe it was 2010, he was traded. He was a top prospect, traded for Cliff Lee, who at the time was the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, that, that was a, uh, a huge trade, and he's always just been the player that could have been. He's got uh, 20 bombs, 48 RBIs. And for those of you uh, Bill James fans out there, he's got a 149 weighted runs created plus, which is a stat I absolutely love because unlike on base percentage, where all times a person gets on base are treated equally, it tries to quantify the result of each outcome, you know, singles, doubles, triples instead. Uh, and so he's 11th in all of baseball with uh, his 149 weighted runs created plus. And I don't think that that's a first season fluke. I think for first half fluke, I mean, I think that he's going to continue that well into the second half and kind of carry the Blue Jays' offense altogether. And even if he really doesn't turn, keep it up, I mean, they've got a lot of guys who've been underperforming. As you mentioned, Tulowitzki's hitting 240. Uh, Jose Batista's 234. These are guys that are perennial all-stars and are certainly much better players than they've been this season. And so to expect them to continue as they are is ridiculous. So even if Smoke doesn't keep it up, which he absolutely can, and I do believe he does, 
the pressure won't be on him to carry the offense because they have so much talent. They're stacked, and there's a reason they've been in the playoffs each of the past two years and have been one of the best teams in the American League over that span is because of this offense. And that's not even the strength of this team. The real strength is the bullpen, something that I don't think gets talked about enough. Ozuna is as good as they come in the closer's role. ERA plus of 189, which I don't think should be, uh, although it's a weird stat for relievers, I do think it's an important one. 189 means he's 89% better than the average pitcher, which is absolutely ridiculous. His FIP is 1.64. He's already got 19 saves on the year. He's as reliable as they come. And then behind him, he's got guys like Ryan Tapera and Dominique Leone, Aaron Loop, who have been more than solid this year. They're they're stacked from up to bo- top to bottom. And for even with the rotation struggling as it has, they've performed just as well as anyone could have expected and have kind of carried them thus far. So once that rotation does turn things around, I think that with the bullpen performing as it will, this is going to be a really dangerous playoff team and not someone you're going to want to face in October. Matt, take a look at their strikeouts per nine up and down the pitching staff. I mean, Marco Estrada, who's struggling to a 49 clip, he's got 10 strikeouts per nine. Marcus Stroman, 7.4 strikeouts per nine. Liriano, 8.7. Liriano's got a 5.46 ERA. These are all indications that they could turn it around, especially in the bullpen as you touched on. Roberto Azuna with a remarkable 12 strikeouts per nine. Tapera, 9.3. Leone, he's got 13.4 strikeouts per nine. I mean, these guys are go-get-you fastballs coming right at you, sliders in the dirt, striking out hitters left and right. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch all the way through the rest of the season. And once those bats heat up, look out for the Blue Jays in the AL East. Yeah, they got, you know, and you're, everyone's also forgetting Devin Travis. They could get him back in September. Great second base option for them. And I'm looking at the stats right now. 324 runs scored this year. 14th in the American League. That's just uncharacteristic for the Blue Jays, especially with all the talent in their lineup. You have to figure that they're going to sneak their way back into the tent, top 10 in the American League, maybe even the top five by the end of the season. And then, you know, the pitching has been subpar but middle of the pack in the American League with a 4-3-3 ERA ninth in the American League. So, uh, yeah, you, you have to figure the Blue Jays are going to be in the mix for that wild card spot. And if, like Matt said, their bullpen keeps it up, they're going to be a scary team once the playoffs come around. Absolutely. Definitely not someone I want any of my teams facing. Switching gears, though, all-star voting ends on Sunday. That's when they announce the rosters. So they're going to have – they had the final ballot update earlier this week, and we asked each other, who's the guy that you think is right now slated to start that is the least deserving? And I'm going to go ahead and start with my hot take of all takes, and that's Chris Bryant, the reigning MVP. While he is, as I said before, it is important the kind of player that you are in in your repertoire and what kind of accolades you've had in the past. And I do think that that does come into some uh, consideration when you should be voting. But Chris Bryant has not been the best third baseman this season. Right now, he ranks 8th in batting average, 3rd in OPS, 5th in war, 8th in Ks. Uh, This is among qualified third basemen in the National League. My apologies. There's 9 total. Uh, Tied for 4th in doubles, 2nd in home runs, 8th in RBIs, and 2nd in OBP. You didn't hear a single one in there. He is tied for 1st in runs and 1st in walks, but that's it. As far as the most complete hitter, it's got to be either Nolan Arenado Jake Lamb or Anthony Rendon. One of those three is absolutely more deserving than Chris Bryant has been so far, and it's only because he's a Cub that I really think that he's in the voting right now. 
Yeah. Uh, my surprise is Eric Hosmer. Uh, the guy has 1.4 uh, million votes in the American or in the National League or American League, and he's really not playing that well this year. Nine home runs, 32 RBIs. There's better options with you know, like Sammy talked about earlier, Justin Smoke definitely deserves a chance at that starting position. Uh, so, yeah, Eric Hosmer, I don't think deserves, and I know Chris Bryant, like you said, Arenado definitely deserves the starting nod at third base in the in the National League. Uh, he's had a terrific year. I know he plays in Colorado, but the dude can just flat out hit. Uh, Sammy, what do you think? Well, guys, here's an interesting one. How about the outfield? Do you guys think that Mike Trout is uh, deserving for a top three? Uh, he's been hurt. I mean, he was hitting well over 316 home runs. Uh, but there are a lot of great outfielders in the AL. What do you guys think about that? I I do agree. I think that it's important to have played enough games. I know one year Matt Wieters was voted as an all-star, but he only played... I think it was 16 games before he was even before he was out for the year with an ACL tear. So I honestly, we've talked about this in a previous episode, but I'm not a fan of the fan vote at all, and I, I think they should abolish it altogether. But um, with how it is right now, the league needs to look the fans, excuse me, need to look and see. Okay, Trout's the goat, but he's really not playing right now, so he isn't necessarily deserving an All Star. Not his numbers are up there, but. At the same time, he just hasn't played enough games that I think it should qualify. I was going to say a sneaky all-star pick. Maybe I don't know about starting, but I think he's he's definitely in contention for top one of the top outfielders in the game is Brett Gardner. Look at this season he's having. I mean, he he's put the power stroke together. He's got 14 home runs so far, 33 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, doing a little bit of everything for the Yanks at the top of that order. And I think he... He kind of brings uh, an unquantifiable element to his game. I swear, he, just watching the Yankees on a consistent basis, he sparks that team. He does things, you know, he'll beat out an infield single, and then the next bat he'll hit one 350 feet. He's just a very exciting player to watch, and I think he's kind of finally having that career year, and I hope he gets some recognition in the all-star voting. He's in the top 10 right now, but we'll see if he can squeak his way up. He also did win a gold glove last year, so yeah. can't forget about that. Second highest uh, fielding percentage in Yankees history by an outfielder. He's got a pretty, they've had some pretty good outfielders in their day, if I do say so. No, it's funny that you guys talk about Mike Trout and whether he should start. Because if you really dig into his numbers, even in only 47 games, he has 16 home runs, 36 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. All three of those numbers were just as good as Brett Gardner, as I just heard. heard and Brett Gardner's been playing all season. And he's hitting 337 with a 1,200 OPS. I... I know he's only played 47 games, but I don't know how you don't put the best player in the game starting in the All-Star game if he's available to play. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to a Philadelphia fan who is bitter that Joel Embiid did not win Rookie of the Year. So he will argue small sample <laughs> sizes for days. Don't you worry. <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I, 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 sure. I, see, I see Kevin's point. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you're right. He's... Got more home runs than Guardy, and he's you know played probably 10, 20 less, less games. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about rewarding durability and players that are out there every day. And as much as I love Trout, I think it would be cool to see someone else eclipse him, although given his more than 1,000 votes over the fourth-place candidate, probably won't happen. No, definitely not. He's Mike Trout. So even though he's not necessarily the – most marketable player in the MLB. He's certainly one of the most liked. So we'll definitely be seeing his name be called out at least uh, for the All-Star game. 
Now, moving to our final topic of the day is Andrew McCutcheon, a guy who's had a puzzling career to say the least, was former MVP, all-around great outfielder, base runner, number three hitter in the lineup for years. Then last season, he gets moved up to the number two spot uh, in order to get him more at-bats, and he has one of the worst drop-offs we've ever seen out of a former MVP. He's looking like the former self, though, this past month, absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Sammy, we'll go to you first. Do you think he's back? Yeah, I don't I don't think Kutch ever left. I think he I think players frequently will just have a tough year uh at, at some point in their career. I think he was probably bat, he was battling a little bit of uh injury concerns at times last year and I think he looks healthy this year. He's playing hard and uh I I don't think this is a fluke. This is an argument that Kevin and I seem to frequently get into with other baseball fans back at school this year and uh I just think he's an exciting player. He plays the game the right way. He's got 14 home runs, 268. I mean, nothing spectacular compared to where he was, but I think he certainly can be. I mean, right now, he's. Uh, I'd say he's probably a top 10 outfielder in the NL. What do you got, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I, I might disagree with you a little bit. I don't think Andrew McCutcheon's completely back. I think. He has a little boost of confidence ever since Marte got suspended and he got the center field job back. And, you know, people were saying defensively he wasn't a good center fielder anymore, even though he used to be one of the best. Um, I think it's more of a confidence boost right now. Only hitting 12 points higher than he did last year, and last year was the worst year of his career. Um, he's on pace to have one of his best power years of his career, but the 268 average really doesn't get me excited. And the 831 OPS, while, while that is good, it, it doesn't make me jump out of my seat and say he, he's immediately back. I mean, if you compare it to his his 2014 season, he had a 410 on base, a 542 slugging. It was Those numbers are just, that's the Andrew McCutcheon that I'm looking for, and he's just nowhere near that. I'm, I'm thinking of a 300 hitter, 25 home runs, uh, 90 RBIs, and I don't think he'll get any of those numbers this year. But he definitely is playing better than he did last year. And yeah, I don't say I don't know if I can I can go along with the ten, top ten outfielder in the National League. Hey, I mean, look, he's on pace. To, I, I agree with what you're saying. His on base percentage isn't where it was uh, when he was getting on base of a 400 clip. But look, if he goes out there and puts up 25 to 30 bombs, hits you 80 RBIs, I mean, I think that Pirates fans will be pretty happy with that. If he can get a 275 average or so. I mean, that's a pretty good season to me. If you look at his numbers, he's very actually very comparable to Adam Jones. Um, yeah. Like, sits sits right around 280, 270 average, the 25 home runs, the 80 RBIs. As long as he can play a, a, a decent center field while Marte's out, I I don't I don't see a problem. But the, his performance last year was just out of the norm, and then it continued through the beginning of this year until the last month or so. Well, I was looking into his numbers. I was like, okay, how is how did this even happen? How is McCutcheon hitting so well? And at first glance, it looked like plate discipline, right? He's cut his strikeout rate by 4% this year. He, his walks are slightly up, not near where they used to be, obviously, but he was getting a lot of intentional walks at that time, and he's really not getting them now. So that's kind of understandable. So I dove into, okay, what about his plate discipline? It was really standing out. And a lot of his numbers really hadn't changed his offense. Uh, outside the zone swing percentage, inside the zone swinger percentage. They were all about the same. However, one thing stood out. Last year, McCutcheon had 
a outside the zone contact percentage of 59.8%, which is well below league average. This year, it's 70.2, which is a massive jump. He is making a ton of contact on pitches too high, too low, outside, which is showing that he's having better vision. I think he's if he's able to barrel up those balls more often, like he did in his previous uh, MVP seasons, in 2014, he had a 68.5 outside the zone contact percentage. It was hovering mid-60s for a greater part of four years before this decline. So if he's getting that back up to where it was, I think it means he's seeing the ball better and is able to put better contact on. Even though his contact rate's about the same, he's making better contact, putting it in places where he wants it to be. And that's why I think that he's on the upward slope right now. Obviously, his numbers are not going to be where they were in his MVP season right now because he's only been hot for a month. And he has still started off pretty pretty badly. Everyone was ripping the Pirates for not getting rid of McCutcheon over the offseason because his trade value had only declined. Now, you look at the trade deadline, a lot of teams are going to be coming for McCutcheon because they stuck with him, and they're definitely going to be reaping the benefits for it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look into his OPS+, plus, it's 116 this year, which is 12 points better than it was last year, and his OPS, his regular OPS is up yeah, I, I couldn't 70 points. Uh, it, it'll be interesting when Starling Marte comes back because he can't if the Pirates are contending, can't play in the postseason, uh, it'll be interesting if for the regular, the rest of the season when Marte comes back from injury, if, if they shift McCutcheon back over and put Marte in center field or if McCutcheon stays in center field. But uh, the way he's been playing right now, I know defensively I've seen him on SportsCenter Top 10 plays multiple times over the last month or so. He's making great plays out there and playing great defense um, and doing it on the offensive, offensive end as well. So uh, definitely... Definitely a situation to watch, but McCutcheon's been great. Absolutely. Well, that wraps us up for today. Sammy, thank you so much for coming on. This was great getting your Yankees insight and everything else. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. That was a blast. I look forward to being back soon. Don't forget, everyone, follow us on Twitter at Visitors Bullpen. You can also follow me, Matt Wyrick, at Matt Talk Sports, Kevin at Kevin R. Haswell, and Sammy at S. Chrisatello. Thank you all again for joining us, and have a good one. Thanks, guys.